Lindsay Jones, NFL reporter from The Athletic, and we are here with the first episode of the NFL Power Rankings podcast. I'm Amy Perlopiano, and I'm here too. We're really excited. Uh, It's football season already, somehow. So we're going to focus this episode on power rankings that we did a while ago on July 29th, which is actually exactly a month ago. So there are you know, we're going to talk about how there have been some really big changes to some teams in that time span. So we're going to go over that. Um, Lindsay, how are you feeling? We're in football season already. Uh, how was your training camp travels? Yes, I'm so ready for real football. The fourth preseason games do not count. So I'm, it, it's been fun to kind of look back uh, as we've been preparing for this podcast over kind of where we were a month ago, what kind of the NFL landscape was like. Um, that was before I headed off on my training camp tour. I've seen 12 teams since then, um, some teams on the West Coast, sometimes some teams on the East Coast. I saw some rookie quarterbacks. I saw some new head coaches. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to kind of see now where the league is actually at um, compared to where we thought they were a month ago. Which team um, on your travels do you find the most intriguing? Are you the most excited to watch uh, once the league starts next week? Yeah, so I spent a couple days in Cleveland with the Browns, and I know they've been getting a lot of buzz this entire offseason, and rightfully so. And they just had a really interesting camp because they've gone through so many changes um, in the last couple of years and very many changes this offseason where, you know, obviously bringing in Odell Beckham was a big deal, that change in coaching staff to Freddie Kitchens, who's really the wild card there with that team. and. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think top to bottom, their roster is really good. There's a couple play, they have a couple issues. Their offensive line, there's still some questions there, which is, you know, it's just, it's, it's really unfortunate that for all those years, they had a really bad roster and the best left tackle in football. And now they have a really good roster and a very questionable left tackle spot. So that's unfortunate, but, uh, I, it's definitely the Browns for me. I had them 10th in our initial power rankings heading into the preseason. And if I were re ranking them today, I will probably put them a little bit higher. So that'll be a little spoiler alert for next week's week one podcast uh, on our power rankings. Yeah, I think they ranked – yeah, I have it in front of me. They ranked 10th overall in our actual post. I had them 12th. You had them 10th. I was like a little – I'm a little skeptical just because of all the hype and all the buzz and it just – I'm still trying to take a step back and realize that like Freddie Kitchens, I'm not totally sure. No one's really sure exactly what he's going to be like as a head coach yet. So I'm intrigued too, but I was a little bit trying to take some steps back of like the the Super Bowl parade that some people are planning already. Um, But yeah, definitely one of my the most intriguing teams, I think. And also, I'm pretty excited to watch the Jets, even if that's kind of some bias on my part. But uh, I have heard great things about Sam Darnold and how he's looked this preseason from uh, a lot of what Connor Hughes has been writing. So Excited to, to see what they look like. I know you were you were there too, right? Yes, I did. I saw them at one practice. And yeah, Sam Darnold has looked really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time with Adam Gase when he was in Denver. And I'm intrigued what that partnership is going to be like, what, what that partnership is going to look like. And, you know, I think the model that we've seen working around the NFL for developing quarterbacks lately is, you know, fire your staff after year one with a rookie quarterback bring in an entirely new head coach or new staff with an offensive minded head coach. And, you know, that's the model that worked for the, uh, for the Rams. It worked for the bears last year. And now we'll see if it can work for the jets with Darnold. So I'm, I'm, I'm 
cautiously optimistic, I yeah. would say. That's where I'm at with the Jets right now. Yeah, that's how I feel too. I agree. Five, four, three, top five, bottom five. All right, so we're going to get into our top five bottom five, which we're going to go through what we had again a month ago in our bottom five and then our top five. But before we do that, we obviously have to acknowledge the, a very large change that has gone down um, that happened on Saturday. Uh, the Colts were ranked number six on our preseason power rankings. Um, I, I do not think they will be ranked at number six when we do our next one. Lindsay, where A, where were you when Andrew Luck retired? What were you doing? And B, uh, where do you rank the Colts now in the wake of uh, this crazy news? So uh, Saturday afternoon, evening, uh, evening time here, or early evening here in Denver, um, I was at a one-year-old's birthday party. <laughs> and that is not the place that you probably want to be receiving major NFL news, because I said some words that should not be said at a one-year-old's birthday party. Um, and all of the adults did. Um, almost all of my parent friends that were there are in fantasy football leagues. Um, my husband drafted Andrew Luck a couple days earlier in his fantasy league. So yeah, there was a lot of, oh my God, holy F, I can't believe that going on at this one-year-old's birthday party, which, you know, that's it was, it was pretty fun. I mean, it made the last hour or so of the party very interesting. Um, but when I look forward now, I think... They are going to fall. There's no doubt that they're going to fall. I imagine that I'll have them outside of my top 10 now just because there's so many unknowns with Jacoby Reset. But I will say, I think the way that Chris Ballard has built this team, I think they can sustain this. I don't, uh, yeah, I think they can survive this is probably the better way to phrase that. I don't think this is a 2011 or 2017 situation where the roster without the quarterback is just, is terrible and they're going to completely fall apart. You know, I don't think they're going to be the favorite to win the AFC South anymore, but I still think they're going to be a decent team, you know, an 8, 9, 10 win type of team, which would have them probably in the 12 to 15 spot in that first power ranking next week. Right. I I agree with you for the most part. I, I think I would probably rank them at 16. I'd probably put them right in the in the middle because it's just it's pretty big unknown at this point. I do think they are set up to – win still. I, th I think they have that ability and I think they have that leadership in place. Um, I think Frank Reich is the perfect guy to be in this situation with his experience in the league, his experience of, of dealing with players. I, I think that they are in good shape with him at the helm. And so that puts them in a better position than any other team really would be able to handle this. Um, I think I kind of feel like, like it's a situation where the way that we kind of talked about the Falcons when they blew that 28 to three lead in the Super Bowl, right? And like all the talk about them the following year was like, are they going to be able to come back from that hangover? And like, are they going to be able to move past it? And it's just becomes kind of a mental game at that point. It's kind of how I feel about this. I feel like they certainly have the players. They have, they've bolstered their offensive line. Uh, they have Darius Leonard on defense. Like they are in good shape, but are they going to be able to? move forward past this pretty shocking news and and kind of allow themselves to move on. So that's kind of what we will see starting uh, next week. Yeah, and especially when they're playing in such a competitive division as the AFC South. I don't think it's the best division in terms of the 
the highest quality of teams, but I think it might be the most competitive division top to bottom when you look around the league. So it's going to be a big deal. I can't wait to watch. Um, and not, look, I, I, I really like Jacoby Brissett. And if you're not yeah. following him on Twitter, make sure you're following Jacoby Brissett. He's one of oh, the best I NFL player followers in the league. Now I'm intrigued. He's wacky. Okay. Yes, he's he's a weirdo in the good way. So yes, um, so I want I want him to succeed. I think it would be a great story if he does succeed. Um, and then if he hits free agency next year, it'll be a lot a lot of long term issues going on for the Colts at quarterback as well. Right. Yeah, and I mean when he when he started in in 2017, obviously they they weren't that successful, but he wasn't terrible either. His numbers aren't awful. They he just didn't have an offensive line, which was a big problem. And now. He does, so that will be better, and we'll see how he does. I know I've heard that he's considered one of the, you know, one of the best backup quarterbacks, and we'll see how that translates uh, now that he is the starter. Um, so, all right, so that's the Colts. We're predicting. What are you predicting, Lindsay? Like around twelve, thirteen for next week? Yeah, that's ranking? my guess right now. I haven't filled out my rankings yet for next week, but I believe that's where I'll have them. Yeah, I, I would guess with everyone voting. I think people kind of agree with us that they're they're set up to still succeed. So I, I would guess they're somewhere around like twelve to sixteen range, somewhere in there. That's my that's my guess. Um, all right, so we'll move on now to bottom five, top five. We're going to go again. Reminder, these are from July 29th. Um, so these were our bottom five selections uh, right when the preseason was kicking off. Um, we're going to go, we're going to start with the bottom because that's how we start our files. So we're going to go 32 Miami Dolphins, 31 Arizona Cardinals, 30 Cincinnati Bengals, 29 New York Giants, and 28 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Lindsay, how are you feeling about this? What do you have the highest, lowest expectations for, you know, how, what do you think? Yeah, I know when I filled a, I filled that out um, before the preseason started, I had the Bengals last. Okay. I had them at 32nd. A lot of questions about yeah. that entire roster, uh, their new head coach. Um, and it, it's gotten worse for them since. I think they've had even more issues with their offensive line. I think I would I, – I, so I have them very low expectations for the Bengals. Um, but I think it's also been pretty clear throughout the preseason that the Dolphins are in a major, major, major rebuild mode here. They still haven't figured out exactly who's going to be their starting quarterback week one, if it's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick or Josh Rosen, and that's a bad sign if you're heading into the final week yeah. of the preseason and you haven't decided <laughs> if it's the 85-year-old veteran or the <laughs> former first-round pick to be your head coach. So uh, – or to be your starting quarterback, excuse me. And then – I have to, I think I have to have the Dolphins last still because of the very perplexing decision that uh, Brian Flores made to play eight straight Jay Z songs just to challenge oh, wide yeah. receiver Kenny Stills. That was so it's, weird. It was such a bizarre move. It was one of the, there have been so many weird stories in the NFL this preseason, but that ranks way up there with the weirdest moves that a new head coach has made in the, decade plus that I've covered the NFL. So I feel pretty good about those bottom five. Um, you know, I think the Bucks are going to be kind of interesting because I think their offense might end up being really good and their defense being really bad. So does that make them a bottom five team? Does that make them a middle of the pack team? I'm not sure exactly where they're going to play out, but um, they'll be one to watch. And, you know, in the Giants, I mean, they've gotten so much buzz this, this preseason because Daniel Jones has been exceeding expectations. But I still think roster-wise – they belong in the bottom five. Right. I agree with that. And yeah, I would say if I had to move one out of my bottom five, I would I would probably I'd probably take the Bucks out of there, if only because I 
believe in Bruce Arians, and I think that he has a good chance at perhaps getting the most out of Jameis Winston, or at least more than anybody else has been able to really get so far. So I think because of that, I would I would probably take them out of that bottom five. Um, I have very low expectations for the Cardinals. I know that people are amped about them. I know that people want to see Kyler Murray. I want to see Kyler Murray, but I just, I'm just not in on Cliff Kingsbury. I don't, I don't think that's going to work. So I, you know, we'll have to see. This is all obviously like extreme speculation at this point. We have not seen any games that Kyler Murray or Cliff Kingsbury have played together, but I, I'm just not totally buying in on that. I think Kyler Murray is very good. I'm just not sure that this team is the best place to bring that out of him. And we've seen before that the Cardinals are just kind of a, a poorly run organization when they've become so reactionary in, in the way that they they fired their coach after one year and then they gave up on Rosen after one year. So it just, I'm not totally buying uh, the Cardinals. And I so I'd probably have them at 32 just because even though they were so bad last year, my expectations might be even lower if only because like the hype is slightly higher because of Kingsbury and Murray. But I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you have strong thoughts on the Cardinals. No, I mean, I think that I think that's right. They're just so much a wait and see mode right now. And I also think the the depth of their roster, um, the fact that Patrick Peterson is not going to be playing to start the season and he's you know, arguably their best player. Th- those are bad moves. And when you're I guess your key free agent signing is, you know, Terrell Suggs, who's been a very good player for a very long time, but there was also a reason that the Ravens uh, decided to move on from him. That's not necessarily a sign that that things are going in the right direction defensively. So yeah, I I think they definitely deserve to be in the bottom, although I'm not sure if there's much of a dumpster fire, some of those other franchises that I just (laughs) mentioned right now. So so I guess the flip side of that is we want to get into our top five, the the teams that we ranked the top five heading into the preseason. And this was number five, the Philadelphia Eagles, number four, New Orleans Saints, number three, the Los Angeles Rams, number two, the Kansas City Chiefs, and number one, the defending Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. What do you think about this top five? Do you have any issues with any of these teams, Amy? I have no issues. I mean, this is pretty much what my top five was. Um, I I can't complain about any of these. Obviously, New England has to be number one. They're probably going to play a couple of really bad games in the first month, and everyone's going to freak out and panic, and then they're not going to lose again, and they're going to be in the Super Bowl. We're going to blink, and they're going to be in the Super Bowl. So I we can't worry about them. Uh, you know, the Chiefs... I think are probably the most talented of these teams. I'm also pretty high on the Eagles. I, I think they, they've expectations are pretty high for the Eagles, and I think that's fair. I, I I think they're going to. I think they're the best team in that division by a wide margin. Um, the Saints and the Rams. Yeah, I mean the, the the thing with the Saints, I would say is. I think the concern that probably everybody is going to start to have of just like, I feel like we're all just going to start waiting for the time to catch up with Drew Brees and we're going to see if that happens. It hasn't happened yet, but who knows if it does, there's obviously going to be, there will be some concerns there. Um, And then the Rams, like, yeah, I I think that they deserve that three spot. I think that there are again, concerns about Gurley, um, but I think that they are still built to succeed. And I think that it sounds like Jared Goff has had a pretty successful camp and has been kind of showing signs of, of, of really improving and kind of coming into his own beyond just the kind of beyond just McVeigh's 
quarterback and invention. So what about you? Yeah, I went back and looked at how I had my top five ranked back at the beginning of the preseason. I actually had the Eagles at number two, um, significantly higher than our panel did, where they ended up at number five. Yeah. Um, Because I think it was just very much looking forward into what they've done in the offseason and kind of where what the NFC looks like right now. And um, they have my favorite roster in the league. Um, They have one of my favorite head coach and quarterback combinations. And I like some of the the kind of the under radar moves that they made, the Malik Jackson addition. And, you know, so I I just I think that they're the strongest team top to bottom in the NFC and they play in a division that they absolutely can win. I will say after seeing some of the other teams in training camp, um, I think the Cowboys were a lot I liked them a lot more than I was expecting to after spending a couple practices in Oxnard. And that was even watching them without Ezekiel Elliott. And that is really the dark cloud that's hanging over the Cowboys right now is if and when he's going to come back. And I think if he comes back soon and early in the regular season, I think they're a team that could get into the top five fairly quickly, um, pick up a couple big wins earlier in the season, just because I think once they have him back, they're that good. And right. But until he comes back, as long as he's still in Cabo instead of uh, Frisco, Texas, uh, I'm going to have some questions about them. Um, yeah. And then the other team that I had higher, I actually had the Chargers ahead of the Chiefs in my initial oh wow my initial okay. poll, but that has changed since. You yeah. Know, the Chargers once again have had they've been chargering. They lost, um, you know, they lost Russell Okung right as training camp started, or it was revealed that he wouldn't be playing because their left tackle because he had a pulmonary embolism in uh, during in June, and that's a very serious issue that he has to deal with getting the blood clots under control. They hope that he's going to be back at some point, but it's not going to be week one. I also thought that Melvin Gordon would be back by now, and he's not back by now. Um, And then Derwin James. Losing Derwin James is major. I mean, he is one of the best young defensive players, regardless of defensive position in the league, let alone defensive backs. And he's irreplaceable. And because they're going to be playing without him, running back situation is still up in the air. Left tackle is still up in the air. They're absolutely not going to be in my top five in week one. Yeah, I I agree. I had them at six in this uh, preseason rankings that we did a month ago. They're going to be – they might honestly be out of my top ten now. They might be kind of right on that border. Um, Wow. Yeah, I I was in on them early, and now I'm I'm starting to feel – like you said, it's like James is just – losing him is a real gut punch, and I'm not sure that they're going to be able to come back from that. Um, So I still think they're going to be – very competitive. I think that they'll be in, in the race again for a wild card spot that I, I'm not as sold as I was originally. And as I'm sure you were when you ranked them above the chiefs that they like had the, they had the potential to win that division. I, I'm not sure that they can do that now. Risers and falls. Let's go to our biggest riser, which a month ago was the San Francisco 49ers, which they rose how many spots, Lindsay? Ten spots? Ten spots. Ten spots. They went from Jimmy G. 29 to 19. Wow. Huge, oh huge jump. Yeah, people, people are putting a lot of trust in the return of Jimmy G. And just what they, you know, had a pretty successful offseason. How, how do you, you saw them over the, over training camp, right, Lindsay? Yeah, I saw them a couple times, actually. Um, I saw them in Santa Clara when I was doing my California tour. And then they came to Denver, t- where I live, to do a couple joint practices with the Broncos. So I actually saw them practice three times. And uh, I would, I don't 
think they should maybe have jumped 10 spots, but they were also in a really bad place at the end of last year. And I think that's kind of the important thing to remember is how, is how rough things got for them last year, injury wise, playing the whole season without their um, starting quarterback. I think the one concern now though, after watching Garoppolo's return and playing in a couple games is that he's been very inconsistent and Mm -hmm. He hasn't been great. It hasn't just been like, oh, throw Jimmy G back in and the 49ers offense is rolling. It's been pretty rocky. I mean, he had a really, really rough day one day in training camp when he threw interceptions on five consecutive passes. Um, And then he came to Denver for the joint practices, you know, had a little bit of mixed results here and then played really poorly in his preseason debut against the Broncos. Um, You know, it's it's the very vanilla offenses, vanilla defenses, but he, you know, he got... the Broncos brought a lot of pass rush at him that they weren't able to handle, and he just looked really kind of really off in his yeah. preseason debut. So I think that's that's some concern for me, and I will think about that very hard as I'm filling out my week one rankings of just where they're at. And they've had some other injury concerns. You know, uh, Nick Bosa uh, did not practice yeah. through much of the preseason, didn't play in any preseason games. D Ford, their other you know new pass rusher that they traded for with Kansas City. He has not practiced or played for most of the preseason. So a lot of the things that we were really excited about with the 49ers back in June haven't really panned out through the month of August. Right. And I mean, I I feel like there it was again kind of these it's almost like what we're seeing with the Browns of these like really heightened intense expectations, right? They're going to be amazing now. And not that people thought the 49ers were going to be amazing, but I think people thought that Jimmy Garoppolo was going to come back from an ex- like a very serious injury and just start playing exactly how he had when he left off. And that's really difficult. Really star players sometimes haven't been able to do that. And, and so I think it is going to be a bit of an adjustment and a struggle for him at the beginning. And, and I'm not sure that they're equipped to overcome that if he does severely struggle at the beginning of the season. So I'm with you on that. I think there's still a team whose ceiling is very high, but I think their floor has gotten lower than maybe we expected uh, that it was going to be a month ago. Right. Definitely. And so they're our biggest riser. And Lindsay, tell us about two of our biggest fallers, I guess. There's one and then we have kind of one A. Yeah, so I guess uh, the the two teams that dropped the most were the Houston Texans fell seven or fell ten spots, excuse me, from number seven at the end of last season to number seventeen. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One, um, our last rankings of the 2018 season uh, that our entire staff did was at the end of week 17 and uh, right around the wild card game and. That was before that they kind of really fell apart in that home loss to the Colts. They just really didn't look good. And then they've just really had kind of a blah offseason. You know, yeah. they, they're they they're kind of in this mess with Jadavian Clowney. They lost their general manager um, and didn't hire a replacement. Uh, they've now lost Lamar Miller. I mean, there's just a lot of kind of like bad stuff going on with them, just like a lot of bad feelings, I think, around the Texans or ambivalent feelings yeah. about the Texans. Like we very, very, very quickly forgot that they went on an 11-game win streak exactly. last year to win that division. Exactly. I think the only time they've been in the news this offseason has been for negative stuff. And so that, you know, from a voting perspective, I think for us it becomes more difficult to put them in front of other teams who have been making moves this offseason or have been improving or, or, you know, whatever it is. And so, yeah, I mean, I really do think it's not some kind of uh, anti-Texans feelings that we have. I just think when we were voting, I think you and I both had them at 17. um, And I don't regret that (laughs) 
scene where they are. No, it feels it feels it about feels right, right. Today. Yeah, I think that it's just that's where they ended up. There wasn't anything to make us put them any higher. I think they'll be, you know, it seems like they're about average right now, and and we'll see how that changes, especially now with with that division a little bit more open than we thought it might be at the beginning. Um, we'll see how they play, but right now I, I don't I don't feel the need to raise them many spots more so especially now with what you said with Clowney, sounds like that trade might go through soon and we'll see but um yeah and then the other one which i think was was more of a negative reaction toward the team and their moves was the dolphins they went from number 19 to number 32 uh quite the fall and Lindsay, how are you feeling about that yeah, I feel like that's accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they at the at the end of the season they had one of the more surprising kind of shakeups where they fired Adam Gase, they changed the structure of their front office. They have in the months since they have drastically changed their roster. You know, cutting a lot of veterans, moving on from a lot of veterans, shedding a lot of salaries. Um, still don't know who their starting quarterback is going to be. You know, I think there's, you know, the these type of rebuilds can work if if the franchise wide is committed to it and they're committed to giving the head coach that they hired to lead this rebuild enough time, they're committed to the general manager to, you know, handle several drafts and stuff. So, you know, I think this is very clear that they're in a long-term rebuild. Um, And then the other stuff has just gotten messier. They've had a lot of messy side stories. We already mentioned the Jay-Z, Kenny Stills thing. That was very weird. And then everything that's going on with Kenny Stills and Stephen Ross. I mean, that is a that is a very weird, unfortunate situation where, you know, these two guys are at such odds. And, you know, I think Kenny Stills was right to call out his owner, but you don't see players do that very often. And, you know, I'm just very curious how the dynamics of all of that are going to go throughout the year, because Kenny Stills is not a guy who's going to back down his, from his convictions. And I believe he'll probably continue to call out any of these hypocrisies that he sees. And he's going to continue kind of his social justice campaign. He's going to continue his protests. And uh, Stephen Ross has made it pretty clear that he's going to continue hosting um, his his fundraisers with Trump and also keep doing his um, his his own social social justice work uh, through the Rise Foundation, which is, um, you know, they've done a lot of very, very, very good work there. But I understand why Kenny Stills has had some issues with it. So there's just a lot going on with the Dolphins right now. And I'm not surprised at all that they plummeted that far. It's just crazy to think back, though, if you look at that where they are now, to remember back in December where they were still in the wild card race. Yeah. And I mean, how we have quickly them at it has all turned. That's not that terrible. Consider it. Like we, we kind of ended the season with not thinking that they were terrible. And then they kind of plummeted to 32. One thing that is kind of uh, telling about the Dolphins is that uh, their two quarterbacks are. So Mike Sando does his QB tiers every year. He published this one uh, a couple months ago or last month, I think. And, um, he ranks every quarterback based on tiers. And so number 30 is Ryan Fitzpatrick and number 32 is Josh Rosen. So not, yeah. not the best. Those are voted on by uh, league execs and, and coaches. So that's not the, I'm just the so, greatest endorsement for the selection that the Dolphins uh, have to make. Well, and if you're, if you're in this full-on rebuild mode, which they have every indication is, is they are in full-on rebuild, whether it's two years, three years, four years, why don't you play the young guy? Why don't you at least just find out what you have in Josh Rosen? Because we, you know what you're getting in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right. Yeah. And 
you might win a couple games that you probably shouldn't have playing with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and that's going to take you out of the running to get the quarterback that you might really need next year. So I'm just, I'm, I'm a little confused about the way that quarterback competition is gone. And I like Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'd love to see some some Fitz magic this year. You know, I think he's a really big personality and he's really fun to watch because you just never know if you're going to get five touchdowns or five interceptions in a game from right. Ryan Fitzpatrick. But when you look long-term and what that franchise is doing, you know, is he the right guy there? I'm not sure yeah, that's it, it doesn't make right a lot thing. of sense to, to go with him. And I think everyone speaks so highly of him as a teammate. I think it's great that he could be there to to kind of help along Rosen. And, and you know, he obviously has a ton of experience in the league and Rosen is is new and trying to learn the ropes. But but I, I just don't understand why they would go with Fitzpatrick. Like, I just you made you you went to get Rosen. So just use Rosen now and see what he can do and see if you need to reevaluate your entire situation again next year. But yeah, and I think the the tricky thing that they have there um, when you have that sort of competition is if it's been clear to the rest of the guys in the locker room that Ryan Fitzpatrick is better, and he's been winning that competition and he's better in practice, he's been better in games. It's hard to go with the other guy. It's hard to tell guys who are not on guaranteed contracts, who are playing for their next job potentially, that we're going to go with a guy who's worse because we're building long term. Yeah. And I totally okay. understand that. Okay. And that's one of the hard things when you talk about tanking in the NFL. It just doesn't exist the way that it kind of does in other sports because these guys don't have guaranteed contracts. So they're not willing to kind of put their bodies out there to play for a team that isn't trying to win right now. So that's a tricky situation that they have to figure out how you handle this. I think there were some, you know, there's been rumblings about would they trade Laramie Tunsil, their former first round pick left tackle, and what message that would send in the locker room if they were to trade Laramie Tunsil right now. Um, um, There's just been a lot of messy stuff going on now with the Dolphins. And I think what's really become clear is there's going to be a lot of really bad football in South Florida this fall. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm not looking forward to watching the Dolphins this season, I guess I should say, but looking forward to see who, who their quarterback ends up being. We'll find out. Um, okay, so we're going to wrap this up with a segment called Power Up, Power Down. Power Up, Power Down. The way this works is Lindsay and I are both going to choose something we really liked from this week, a quote, a moment, a player, something, whatever that we want to bring attention to that we really liked, or Power Down, it might be something that we didn't like, didn't agree with, not a fan of, whatever it is. So Lindsay, why don't you start? Which one are you picking this week? All right, I'm going to mess up the format okay. here week one because there's something – it's the it's one story and there's parts of it that I really like, some powering up, and parts of it that I really don't like, and that's powering down. Okay. That and that's Carly Lloyd. Okay. Yes, and that's Carly Lloyd, U.S. Women's National Team soccer star Carly Lloyd, who uh, went out and just easily nailed a 55-yard field goal at Eagles camp, which has kind of sparked this new conversation of – can a woman kick in the NFL? And we absolutely 100% need to be having this conversation of, is this a way that we could get our first female player in the NFL? Carly Lloyd is the ideal athlete to become the first female athlete to play in the NFL. But so that's my powering up because we need to start having that conversation. And Carly Lloyd absolutely deserves to be, to have NFL teams talking to her. Um, but for this to happen, or if we want to have this conversation, want to have it the right way, then 
any team that considers signing Carly Lloyd, it cannot be a gimmick. It cannot be a fluke. Carly Lloyd needs to be able to take the time that she needs to get used to kicking a football, learning how the the run up for a field goal is different than, um, you know, the kind of the long ball kicks that she's so, so, so good at in soccer. Um, and an NFL team needs to understand that they wouldn't just be signing her to bring her in to, uh, you know, generate some headlines. Um, if she's going to get a chance, it needs to be a legitimate chance. And uh, my power down is to everybody out there who's making this argument that, oh, Carly Lloyd couldn't kick because kickers need to tackle. Let's look at all the kickers that are playing in the NFL and let's line them up and judge their tackling skills. How many tackles are they actually going to make? I would be willing to bet that Carly Lloyd put her in some shoulder pads she will be a better tackler than half of the kickers that are out there in the NFL. And I think any NFL team at this point would benefit from having a athlete of Carly Lloyd's caliber in their locker room and a champion of Carly Lloyd's caliber in their locker room. So let's stop with this sexist BS out there that maybe she's too delicate because she's a woman to play football. Is she is she one of the best female athletes in our country? Absolutely. And let's give her a chance, but let's do it the right way. Absolutely. So my power up, power down is uh, it's a power up about actually I have two. I'm going to play with the format too. one quick one that was just actually published today and that I do think is really important. And so I wanted to bring some attention to it. Jay Glazer, who is um, a contributor here at The Athletic, as well as on Fox, um, he wrote a column for us in his mailbag. And in it, he talked about his own struggles with anxiety and depression. Um, and he opened up really honestly about this and, uh, I would just recommend you all go and read it because it's something that a lot of people don't like to talk about in public. I think it's very brave of Jay to, to bring it up and, um, really talk about his personal battles, um, that he's been dealing with and, and really shed light on what he's going through and how he, he used the quote, um, the way that he kind of lives his days in gray a lot and that, there are moments when he can see the sun, but a lot of times he's living in gray. And I just think that that is something that we cannot overlook. And I think it was great of Jay to bring attention to it and to hopefully help other people who who might be struggling with the same thing that, that you know, you can speak up about it. Um, my other power up, I just want to end with this. It's just a quick quote. It's from, uh, it was actually from Zach Kiefer's story on Saturday night about Andrew Luck. Um, and his retirement. It was really excellent story, but there's just one quote in there that really stood out to me. Um, so I'm just going to read it and let Andrew Luck speak for himself. So Andrew Luck says, quote, something I learned last year was that if my worth as a human was going to be tied into how I did the result of a, of a performance in a football game, then I was going to have, pardon my French, a real shitty life. Um, I feel like those are words we should all um, kind of live by and follow closely. So Think, uh, Amen, Andrew. Yeah, exactly. So I think we can end there. Godspeed. Good wishes. Yeah. Good. Best enjoy, of luck to Andrew your Luck. You'll, you're going to do amazing things. Uh, so excited to see what's next for him. Uh, so that wraps up our first Power Rankings episode. Um, I am Amy Perlopiano. And I'm Lindsay Jones. And we will be back next week with our week one Power Rankings. We head into the start of the regular season. See you guys then. 